Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark. Episode 313, 313th Thursday, September the 21st, 2023. Hello, Mark. How are you, Brendan? You know that I love a palindrome, so 313 makes my day. It makes your day. Well, pity it's not two three two oh two three um, the <laughs> year we and then in another 10 30 20 thousand years or so or whatever before we get to that um i'm well mark thank you for asking and the weeks fly by mark and i, I just wanted to do a bit of a shout out as part of our part of our housekeeping the first bit is um thank you to our sponsors um perhaps we call out one of them in particular this week no particular order uh, Chemical Essentials, Andrew and the team at Chemical Essentials and the wonderful F10 products. And uh, yes, it's good for everything. That's all I can say, Mark. It is good for it's everything. It's good for everything. It's good for rashes too, I tell you that much. Um, it's very good. Um, even neat. Use it neat, Mark. Um, the, <laughs> the ointment one works quite well. Um Yes, Chemical Essentials, um, thank you very much for that. Um, go to vetgurus.com, um, look at our website, see the previous episodes, subscribe, please tell your friends, send us an email, and we've got an email that we picked out again this week to have a chat about in a sec. Uh, we love getting emails from our listeners and suggested topics for us, um, and we love our sponsors, and we love our people who subscribe and give us a little bit of money via patreon so patreon.com vet gurus and also go to our store buy some merch buy some merch and my my daughter mark my eldest daughter um was saying that she loves the vet gurus water bottle mark um it sits in her office in the city and uh a lot of people comment on it saying what the <laughs> is that but um, she likes it um, very solid it's been uh, very good quality and uh, the water just tastes so good out of it mark um, when you use a vet guru's water bottle so available at a very reasonable cost and a small amount goes towards our production costs so that would be great if you had a look at our etsy store and potentially purchase some of our merchandise um, with that mark I think we need to jump into an email from a good friend of ours um, who's always in contact with us. We haven't heard him from heard from him for a while. Mark, do you want to read out or summarise the email? I do, I do, and it, it is always all the emails. We love hearing from everyone, but um, particularly thankful that uh, Nicholas has, has sent us another one. This one is um, he was listening to our amphibian anesthesia episode the recent episode on anesthetizing frogs and he was um he was largely agreeing with some he has some experience with those african clawed frogs we don't get those in australia and he comments that uh, they're unfazed by incredibly high doses of his injectable sedation um 
And interestingly enough, I, once again, I don't know how widespread this is around the world, but uh, his go-to drug for the uh, Xenopus frogs uh, is um, immersion in diluted alfaxalone. Um, you know, people around the world should know, people who listen to this podcast in particular should know how much you and I uh, appreciate the characteristics of anesthesia provided by Alfaxalone. Um, and so, yeah, it's no surprise to me that uh, uh, Nicholas finds it a, an excellent uh, medication to use with amphibians. Um, he does ask about tips on intubating frogs and salamanders. Yeah. <laughs> now, we have not much experience intubating salamanders, um, but um, but I, 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 with frogs, for me, and I'll be interested in your comments, Brendan, I um, will often use soft uh, tubes, some of the specific reinforced tubes uh, for exotic animals. Um, frogs have a probably a disproportionately large trachea. I don't use cuff tubes. Um, they're not particularly difficult to intubate in my experience. Um, I, I generally, uh, they're, they're I think I pressure. Yeah, I find the tricky bit with them is that um, they're a little bit rubbery, that, you know, the mandible there is rubbery with these animals and slippery. Um, and, and perhaps maybe that's part of the issue that he's having if he, if I'm trying to read between the lines, thinking that maybe he has, has a little bit of um, issue intubating the mark. Um, but apart from that, sorry to jump in there, I'm, 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 I'm exactly with you there, Mark. Um, I, I do like the those classic cook um, yeah. soft rubber tubes there that have the sort of tapered section there that you can bung in up to the up to the um, uh, up to the glottis there to try and provide a little bit of a little bit of seal there um, but yeah I, I, to, for me mark the, um, the the most difficult part of intubating a, a frog or a, or an axolotl I'd be doing um, is is uh, restraining them, opening that mouth, and and just holding it still so it doesn't flop all over the place, Mark. Um, and um, and, and perhaps having a, an assistant, um, if you need a third hand, popping an index finger underneath the um, neck there, Mark, to gently um, push upwards the glottis to make it more visible for you. And the and the other thing I find is um, I, I have exceptionally good luck with dry Q-tips in this situation just uh, resting against the the uh, the trachea post glottis to stabilize it so uh, someone good underneath tip. Good tip. and yep. um and yeah one of those cotton wool buds q-tips just because uh, it does it is highly mobile in the in the um the ventral part of the oral cavity yes so hopefully that's answered your question there nick if not send us an email and i'm sure you will um my only other comment um would be i'd be interested in your immersion rates of the alfaxalone um what dose rates do you use um, per liter etc um if you have time at some stage flick us an email with that and i'd be very interested um and he does men mention that he does love alfaxalone mark for most things <laughs> and he also uses uses it almost exclusively for sedation when he's um anesthetizing fish as well yeah. so thanks nick 
Excellent. Okay, Mark, you're up first with the news story. My news story, Brendan, is um, one out of Europe, and it's it's a bit of a paradox. Uh, the um, one of the uh, researchers was in hospital, um, and they looked out the window, and they uh, um, uh, in Antwerp. He looked out the window, and he sent a picture to one of his friends who was researching nests and plastic pollution. Um, at the Naturalis Biodiversity Centre in Leiden, in the Netherlands. And what he noticed was that the birds, the Eurasian magpies, were making nests out of bird spikes. So those plastic, the, the uh, opaque clear plastic spikes that are often um, arranged in a, a line on something that... Uh, humans don't want the birds to land on. Um, the birds were taking those spikes. Uh, I don't know how they got them. Um, uh, broke, probably broke them off or the, they were discarded. Or, um, But the birds use those. They mix them with uh, metal, clay and some twigs. But uh, 1,500 long, sharp anti-bird spikes were poking out from the centre of the nest. Um, and of course, the paradox, the uh, juxtaposition of anti-bird spikes being used to uh, provide the reproductive platform for the birds is not lost on any of us, Brendan. Yes, to thwart other birds. And they do make a comment, it looks like something out of Mad Max. Um, and it is a pretty spectacular looking nest set. <laughs> Very impressive. And we'll have Did a li link to it on our website. Did you like the uh, ultimate Anthropocene replacement um, uh, description of the anti-bird spikes? It's a um, it's an interesting turn of phrase. I would have thought. Yes, yes, um, yes. <laughs> yes, fascinating, Mark. Fascinating, as I say <laughs> later later on in the article there, and um, yeah, that um, that is impressive, Mark. Um, I think the key thing here is that. Um, uh, nature will find a way, you yep. know, if we if we don't provide them with the stuff they normally use to make a nest, they'll find something else. Yes. And speaking of nature, Mark, my news story is the Ocean Photographer of the Year winners. And, uh, well, they're all winners, Mark, um, but we'll talk particularly about the three, the winner, the second and the third place Um Pictures, Mark, in the Ocean Photographer of the Year, which is reported in Oceanographic, Oceanographic Magazine, I think it is. And what do you think of these, Mark? Um, I think uh, number third, the third place one is the one that I think is the best. Um, they are all if, breathtaking. And, the, they and they do mention about um, that they have a little bit of a blurb about one paragraph blurb about them so third place mark I'll, we'll go through them in reverse order then third place is from alvaro herrero lopez beltran from mexico um and the description says a hump, humpback whale dies a slowed and painful death after being entangled in ropes and boys rendering its tail useless the image is a sad metaphor for the slow and painful death that we are inflicting upon our ocean planet and hopefully our listeners will click on our link to this and see this particular picture and gee this humpback whale is 
emaciated, isn't it, Mark? And it has this um, entanglement on on one one um, flipper there, um, one fin, um, and it's struggling. I don't think it's very long for this world. And um, I think we were talking off air, weren't we? That, well, we had a bit of a glitch there, Mark, but we're back and running again. So there we go, third place, Mark. What did you think of that one? Well, it was a distressing image on one level, but um, I really um, admire the photographer's ability, Alvaro, um, his ability to the symmetry of the image and the colours. It's just enchanting. It draws you into the image and makes you start to think about why the whale looks the way that it does. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very impressed, and I'm I'm a little bit surprised to be honest that that got third. Yes, and number two, Mark. If we quickly run through them, was Andre's an enemy, Mark, an an enemy. What do you think of the an enemy? Well, I've I've had I've taken shots like this, and I know how difficult it is to get the lighting like that in the ocean yes. and the depth of field, Brendan. The DOF of this image, a macro image. OMG. Um, and the colour of that uh, anemone crab um, and and just the the context of symbiosis, two species living together, um, yeah, it, it's an outstanding photograph. It's a good one. And the winner, Mark, was Jai Ling from the Philippines with, what did he have? A picture of a... Nautilus, isn't it? A... Let's have a look. I'm just reading through it for the first time here. Uh, yeah, a female paper nautilus taking yeah. a ride on a drifting wooden stick. What do you think of this one? I think it. Look, I'm 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 in two minds about this because it is a it's a very um, artistic shot, and any time you get those baby paper nautiluses. Um, like this, the cephalopods with a shell. It's a pretty impressive thing. Um, but those, um, this is all about the bokeh, isn't it, this photograph? Um, that's the, the way that they've been able to turn the specks of stuff in the ocean into beautiful refractile spots Particles, yes, yes. That's what's made the photo. Um, yes. And so it's a photographer's photo for sure. I, I, I'm still leaning towards number three as my favourite, Brendan. Yep, me too, Mark. And uh, I expect to see one of your pictures in there at some stage soon, Mark, so you need to get out there. It's probably, hopefully not, uh, you've only been swallowed by a croc um, underwater. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I'm so jealous of some of your pictures. That's all I can say. I think we should move on, Mark. Um, let's jump into our main topic this week, which is, well, it's something that we've sort of touched on before in the past. Uh, so the topic is nasolacrimal duct issues in rabbits, Mark, and we did cover nasolacrimal duct flushing in rabbits way back in episode 239, April 2022 year and a bit ago and we're gonna jump into we, we might we may or may not cover the flush in or we'll just touch on it i think we'll refer back yeah. to that previous episode uh and i think we'll stick more to the types of problems we see with nasolacrimal ducts in our little rabbits mark um and and looking at it logically i think we should chat about 
What are the signs, Mark, of nasolacrimal duct issues? In well, I think rabbits? that's a really important place to start, Brendan, because the signs might lead you in the wrong direction because they often are associated with an ocular discharge. Um, many of the problems associated with the nasolacrimal duct are, are evidenced by the failure of tears to drain from the eye. And then once that occurs, once you have epiphora, you often subsequently get muco or mucoparent ocular discharge. And so instinctively, as veterinarians, we might be drawn to think of problems with the eye and, and a, a thorough examination of the eye and its admecta is indicated, um, but very commonly um, you will be led to locations distal to the opening for the nasolacrimal duct on the ventral, uh, on the medial part of the ventral eyelid. Yes. Weepy eyes, Mark. Think <laughs> nasolacrimal duct problems in rabbits. I agree 100%. So what do we do, Mark? Let's. I reckon we should step through the workup for these cases. We have a, a rabbit that has unilateral or bilateral tear duct issues, suspect tear duct issues, Mark. What do we do? Well, I think the key thing here is to understand the anatomy, isn't it, Brendan? Um, that uh, there are a number of local structures that you need to be critically aware of and understand to um, investigate, um, but essentially what uh, the, the starting point um, is to flush the tube. And as you said, we've talked about that in another episode, and it's relatively simple, just um, uh, some sedation, maybe a bit of local and locating that puncta um, and introducing a um, cannula and flushing it with saline. The key thing though, Brendan, is that it's, um, that it's often obstructed, isn't it? It's often difficult yes. to get through. Um, and I often caution, um, uh, well, from experience, I know that overzealous attempts to infiltrate the area, uh, to flush the area can result in rupture of the sac, the part of the nasolacrimal duct before the duct enters the bone. Um, and then you've got a real problem with infection possibly extending beyond the duct and into the uh, surround the tissue surrounding it yes yes so you touched on a couple of really important points there mark don't be afraid of gently um, attempting to cannulate the nasolacrimal duct and it is quite readily visible isn't it mark um, because it's a decent puncta puncta i love that word and a bit of local anaesthetic, just a bit of alkane or equivalent, whatever your um, brand name, local anaesthetic eye drops are. Leave that in for you know a couple of minutes or so, and the vast majority of rabbits you can manage to cannulate that duct. Um, you will get the odd rabbit who's a bit of a bit of a nutter. I won't let you do it. You have to use sedation or anaesthesia with them, and um, we go into more detail with that in episode two thirty nine. So. I, I refer our listeners to episode 239, Mark. Um, and yes, you're spot on there of, as usual. Um, it's often a problem with the patency of that nasolacrimal duct. So we do have a little 
attempted flush under local earmark um, after a thorough clinical exam. Um, and typically with these, because there are a couple of conditions and one in particular that's that's notorious for causing these nasolacrimal duct tissues, um, we need to heavily sedate them or preferably, probably, um, give them a general anaesthetic, don't we, Mark, to, to start doing some diagnostics there, including... Um, basics of um, survey radiographs of the head you know this is an interesting question too i have for you brendan i i agree you know one thousand percent for those ones that uh that that i don't know maybe half of the ones i do i get a lovely um, i cannulate them i can see some pus draining out of the puncture i slide the cannula in i it's a bit fiddly but i'm gentle i often use like a little pulse on the syringe, use some warm saline, and about half of them will just oh, be a second or two, and then you get a beautiful series of drops running out of the nose. Um, I collect those to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on a minute there. Our technical difficulties have got us this week, so we are going to make this the end of part one, and we will continue with part two next week on nasolacrimal duct issues in rabbits we will talk to you all next week thanks for listening thanks for listening to the vet podcast by the vet gurus don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe view show notes listen to previous episodes and more you can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Hold up. 